0: Yesterday, the Zips projections for the 2024 Detroit Tigers came out. Dan Zimborski of Fangraphs released his yearly Zips projections, and it was the Tigers' turn. So we're going to talk about it all today on Locked on Tigers. You are Locked on Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Friday. Oh, are there 31 days in November? No, right? No, because there's 31 December. December 1st, 2023. Thank you so much for making Locked On Tigers your first listen. Every single day, we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every day. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel, make every moment more right now new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's 150 bucks if your team wins visit fanduelcom on to get started. All righty, well, happy Friday everybody, happy December, which I just learned right now. I obviously record these the day before and I I'm just so used to like looking at the date and just adding a day at this point. That when you don't know how many days are in a certain month, it can kind of trip you up as you start getting into uh, the 30s there. All right. So uh, we're back, though. Um, today, we're going to take a look at Dan Zimborski's Zips projection for the 2024 Detroit Tigers. Dan does fantastic work. And for fan graphs, every year, he releases every single team's projected depth chart. And production via, I mean, entire stat lines, home run totals, WAR totals, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, um, for everybody on every roster, and uh, he releases, I think, a, a few a week, and it's always really fascinating. Now, he is very open about the flaws with the model and the the flaws with some of the player projections, the flaws with some of the depth chart decisions. Uh, that th- is a, an imperfect model, but, uh, I just always find it so fascinating to just like have the conversation and some people just look at it and go, this means absolutely nothing. And like, at the end of the day, you're probably right. Like it really doesn't mean anything, but I, I still think that a lot of fascinating conversations can stem from it. So we're just going to take a look at what these zips projections are for, the 2024 Detroit Tigers. Again, Dan Zimborski released an entire article. He does kind of like a more in-depth breakdown, talks about the pitching side of things, the hitting side of things, the depth chart as a whole, team by team. Please go check out and support his work. Read the article. Uh, You can actually take a look at every stat line of every single player for the entire organization. It's like all the 90-man roster, organization deep. Uh, that you can go and see a, a projected stat line for. It's very, very cool. So please, please, please go check out the article by Dan Zimborski. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the bats that stand out to me with this model. Uh, talk about some of the pitching depth that it looks like the Tigers may have according to it. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the bullpen. Obviously, we did a whole episode on the bullpen yesterday. You can go listen to that for... A more in-depth breakdown of that. Uh, we're gonna talk about some of the prospects projections. There, there's a few pretty intriguing projections with like the Youngs and Colt Keats and you know Justin Henry Malloy's of the world. So we'll talk about those and then we'll end by talking about, you know, where the model thinks the Tigers still have their biggest holes. We've talked a lot about what I think. You know, I I've spewed my nonsense for a couple of weeks, months now about uh what I think the Tigers need to improve on, and we'll have an opportunity to talk about what the model thinks we need to improve on as well. Okay. So let's just start by talking about some of the bats uh, that really jump out at you. I I think Riley green is obviously a great place to start. Uh, It's also interesting. It's not assuming full season for everybody. So like Spencer Torkelson is projected to have 656 plate appearances. Spencer Torkelson played what? 159 games last year, 160 games last year. So it makes sense that they'd be projecting a full season for him. Riley Green, 497 plate appearances projected. I think that's honestly more fascinating than any like exact stat total. Uh, they have him leading the team in F4 with 2.6 F4, but they do have 2.2 war from Spencer Torgelson, And uh, that would obviously be another step in the right direction. Uh, they, we'll talk about defense here in a second too. There's a couple of people that this model really does not like defensively. So we'll talk about that. Uh, Mark Canna, it has as the third most valuable player on the team. And then it has Colt Keith as the projected fourth most valuable player on the team. Now, the model still likes Austin Meadows, who's still on here. Uh, it, the players, if they are switching teams or if they are free agents, it just puts them with the most pre the most recent team they played for. It's so like Miguel Cabrera is still on here too. Uh, but of players on the team, Colt Keith projected to have the fourth of offensive players on the team projected to have the fourth highest F4 a 252 average a 314 obP and a 434 slug that would be good enough for a 107 OPS plus uh they do have him as a minus three value Defender 1.6 F4 let's just get something very clear right now if Colt Keith if this organization actually is somewhat confident that Colt Keith can be an above league average hitter can have an OPS over league average, he should be, without even remote conversation, the opening day starting second baseman for this baseball team. It should not even be a question in anyone's mind, in my mind, in your mind, in your mother's mind. It doesn't matter. If this is, and obviously, like, this is not, like, he's not going to put up these exact numbers, but if there is any sort of belief in this front office, that this dude could, as a rookie, put up an above-league average clip when it comes to OPS, we, we shouldn't even be having a conversation here. He should be the slam-dunk opening day second baseman and should be for the rest of the season. Jace Young, right behind him at one-and-a-half F4, the thing that's interesting about Jace Young to me is, A, they have his batting average projected as two twenty three, which is rather low, but they have a really good OBP for him at 308, which I guess that's not like a fantastic OBP, but it's a, it's a good OBP compared to where his average is at. They have him at a 94 OPS plus. So they have him at a, a below league average clip, but a plus three defender. There's a lot of arguments constantly about if Jace Young is a good defender or not. It, like, it, it doesn't stop ever. Uh, there, there's a, a group of people that think that his footwork is a little slow and his hands still need work and he's not that great of a defender. He doesn't have great, great range. And then there's the group that saw him get nominated or maybe even won. I'm trying to remember at least nominated for a minor league gold glove this past season. And they, they obviously moved him to third base in the AFL. I mean, there is a ton of debate over what kind of defender this guy is going to be at the next level, Uh, and the model clearly really likes him at defense. Plus three is honestly one of the highest on the entire team. So uh, take that for what you will. Jake Rodgers, I believe, has the highest defensive rating on the team at plus five. Uh, Ryan Kreidler gets a shout, really good defense. Parker Meadows gets a shout, really good defense, plus four. Uh, they have him at an 86 OPS plus, which is well below league average, uh, but still with 1.2 war because of how much value they have him bringing defensively. So you're seeing like the, there's some, some nuance here. Like there, there's some interesting kind of conversations that stem from it. I also, one of the things I really like about Zimborski's article As uh, and obviously, we don't have time to go over like every single person. Please, please, please again read the article. Is uh, there's a a 80th, 20th percentile, right? Which is kind of like talking about ceilings and floors of players, which is how I like to project players anyway, which is why I'm such a fan of it. Um, I I think it's very hard to project like this is exactly what this player is going to do on any given year, but I think it is a lot more realistic and just makes a lot more sense as an analyst to talk about what's kind of the least we can expect from this guy and the most we can expect from this guy. And 20th and 80th are like two points on the bell curve, right? Where, okay, this is a a higher ceiling that is still like possible. It's not the 100th percentile where like there's only one reality in which he does this well. And, And same with obviously on the flip side for the 20th. So like for instance, Riley Green's 80th percentile war is just about four war, which would be a phenomenal season. Uh, Just under a 300 batting average, just under a 500 slug. Phenomenal. His 20th percentile war is 1.2. So they are saying his floor at this point, if he plays a decent amount of games, is a little bit over a one-win player, and his ceiling is almost a four-win player. Similar with Spencer Torkelson, 3.9 F4 versus 0.4. That has somewhat to do with the fact that he's a poor defensive first baseman. Um, but certainly the, the the offense plummets, obviously, as well. So uh, I, I do think it's it's kind of interesting to take a look at those. Like, for instance, Riley Green, his 20th percentile OPS plus is still 94. Spencer Torgelson's is 97. Is that good? Would we be jumping for joy if these two guys had sub- league average OPSs no obviously that'd be a really frustrating and and probably a failure of a season but the fact that the floor is no longer like oh my goodness we don't even know if these guys are major league baseball players like okay that's at least somewhat of an encouraging sign it's a ridiculous victory lap to take I'm not even taking a victory lap on it but I do think that those 20th 80th percentiles are really fascinating to kind of take a look at okay Let's keep the ball rolling. I got some more bats we want to talk about. I do want to talk about some defensive players as well. We talked about that a little bit here. Then we'll get into the pitching right after I tell y'all about our friends over at FanDuel. FanDuel is the best in the business. And as the weather gets colder, NFL offers stay hot with FanDuel. Right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. We are in a crucial time of year for NFL football, baby. NFL football, kind of redundant, I can't speak either, but we are in a very crucial spot for it. There's a lot of player awards that are neck and neck, MVP being one of them. There's a ton of teams still in it, like 29 teams, all still in the playoff picture. We have a lot riding on these last few weeks of the NFL season. So if you have been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. Uh, it's easy to use. There's spreads player props, over-unders, and so much more. So visit FanDuel.com slash to kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All righty, everybody. Welcome back here. Segment two of lockdown Tigers. I appreciate y'all for tuning in. Making us your first listen every single day. We're going to talk about this a little bit at the very end of the show, but next week is all winter meetings all week, baby. There are going to be rumors flying. There are going to be moves happening left and right. It is genuinely, and this is like one of the nerdiest things about me. It is maybe my favorite week of the year. I look forward to winter meetings more than I look forward to Christmas. It is, it is so much fun that even if like not a lot of moves happen, there's so many ridiculous rumors to follow. It truly is the best. It is my Christmas. So uh, we will be talking about that all of next week as stuff starts to fall in place. Uh, yeah, and also be sure to check out Lockdown Sports Today, the 24-7 streaming national sports channel. Lockdown, you, uh it's it's a brand new channel with Lockdown. There are local experts, there are national shows covering everything. It is awesome and it is the first of its kind. So go to Lockdown Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever National Sports 24-7 streaming channel. Let's talk about these Zips projections a little bit more. We talked a lot about some offense there. Uh, there's some other interesting people here. I think that uh, Winsiel Perez being projected to have an 87 OPS+. plus. One of the r- really fascinating ones to me was that the model really likes Justin Henry Malloy as a hitter, but it thinks that he is maybe the worst defender to ever step foot on a baseball field uh they have him if he were to have 581 plate appearances to have a 100 ops plus now none of that i shouldn't say none very little of that is coming from batting average and very little of that would be coming from slugging percentage they have him at a 100 ops plus despite a 373 slug and a 234 average because they have him at about a 340 on base percentage As a rookie, obviously we know this dude's name to his game is drawing walks. So not the most surprising thing ever, but again, if you're confident he can be a league average hitter, like you have to give him a look this year. You have to, even if it's not 581 plate appearances, you have to give him a look. Now it also has him as a negative 12 defensive value, which is astronomically low. I'm not sure I've ever seen a number that low in any Zip's projection for the years that I've been reading this, to be honest. that is, That is remarkable. Now, I believe they still have him listed as a third baseman, so that might have something to do with it. Um, I don't think anyone thinks that he's the third baseman of the future anymore. I think that that ship has probably sailed based on his struggles defensively, but the hope is that he can stick a little bit better and prove himself and be a little more solid defensively out in corner outfield now. So we'll see how he adjusts to that this year. Okay. There's a few more interesting ones. We can uh man, Brian Packard's name's on here. The dog. Brian Packard, one of my favorite minor leaguers ever. I thought he was going to be so good coming out of college. He had one really good year offensively and then uh between injuries and just struggling at the plate, uh just couldn't get his feet under him. Unfortunately, retired officially last year. A heck of a career, brother. Uh Godspeed to uh, to Brian Packard. Um and then Miguel Cabrera is still on here. Miguel Cabrera, if he were to play somehow, uh, they have as an 85 OPS plus. Really not bad. Negative war though. Pretty comfortably negative war. Like the third lowest war on the entire like organization. Okay, let's talk about some pitching. Okay, uh, they the model really, really likes Tarek Skubel, who doesn't. Uh, the one thing that I do find somewhat fascinating about Tarek Skubal is that it still only has him at 103.7 innings and 21 starts understandable uh, I, I like I get it I can't be mad at anybody for having questions about whether he can stay healthy for a full season we're into three calendar years almost or past three calendar years geez since he's been called up right he got called up in the COVID 2020 season so yeah we're past three years since he's got called up he hasn't even come remotely close to having a full season under his belt so I kind of get it um, but the thought and hope is obviously that he will be able to do that this season, but even in the 103 innings, they have him having a phenomenal season and being the best pitcher on the team. Uh, Reese Olson, the model really, really, really likes Reese Olson, uh, having him as the second best starting pitcher on the team, only behind Scooble, uh, having 124 innings under his belt as well. Also, as Sawyer Gibson Long projected to have more value than players like Kent uh or Matt Manning. Uh, Casey Mize, etc. So really a big fan of Reese Olson and Sawyer Gibson long, as I'm sure we all are after last season. Kenta Maeda has him having a pretty average season, uh, ERA in like the uh, 4-3-4 or FIP rather at 4-3-4. Uh, eh, you'd like that to be a little lower. Ideally Matt Manning only throwing 91 innings and Casey Mize only throwing 95 innings. So this is one of the things I really wanted to talk about with these, um, you know, it it has a lot of starting pitchers for the Tigers that all are projected to get, like, positive production, right? And, and I think that that's – none of them are projected outside of Scooble are projected to be, like, really, really, really good. Uh, but all of them are projected to be positive impacts on the mound. Reese Olson, Sawyer Gibson Long, even Ty Madden, Kenta Maeda – Wilmer Flores, Matt Manning, Casey Mize, even Jackson Job, All of these guys, Bo Brisky, are all projected to have like 70 to 100 innings and be around one-war pitchers. Um, now, obviously, not all these dudes are going to be starters. We've talked about Bo Brisky a lot, how he's probably destined for the bullpen at this point. Um, Alex Fajardo, we obviously talked about a lot. Uh, but, but there is, I, I think we we've been talking a lot about what to do with the starting rotation for this team. And I think looking from like a third party perspective like this, you see that there's a gaining trust that the Tigers have starting pitching depth. Do they have the the, the top end talent to make them a world series team? No, but I think that the depth is slowly accumulating, right? I would love Jackson job to be pitching in Comerica park at some point this season. Uh, do I think he's going to pitch 88 innings for the Tigers this year? Absolutely not. But I would, I would love for this to come to fruition. They have him at a one-war pitcher. If he was to be a major leaguer this year, that's a great sign, right? Um, and, and not necessarily, again, like the model is the model. I, I'm not saying that this is like gospel. It certainly is not. Um, but just the fact that so many guys have the ability to be that like solid one-win back in the rotation pitcher, you need to keep developing them. They're young, right? The hope is that Reese Olson can turn into more. That Sawyer Gibson Long can turn into more. That, that Matt Manning can find another gear and turn into to more than just like a fourth or fifth rotation guy. That has to do with development. But that baseline, that that floor that we talk about so much, that, that's why I like the Kenta Maeda move. It's a floor raiser. Not a ceiling raiser, but a floor raiser. And I think that when looking at, again, like a third-party perspective like this, you see that there is a growing trust that, that there is some starting pitching depth within this organization. I think that that's a great sign. Okay, let's keep the ball rolling. We got a few more pitchers to talk about. We're going to talk about some prospects as well. Colt, Keith, Young. We already talked about Malloy a little bit. Uh, And then we are going to talk about what the model thinks the Tigers biggest positional needs are as well. We'll do that right after this. All right, everybody, welcome back here. Third and final segment of Locked on Tigers. I appreciate you all for tuning in, making us your first listen every single day. As always, shout out to the everydayers. Uh, Let's keep the ball rolling here. Um, I don't think there's any other, again, like Jackson Job being about the same value as Matt Manning and about the same amount of innings is pretty fascinating to me. I really like the sign of that. The model loves Tyler Holton, which makes me so happy because we talk so much about how Holton wasn't really like an analytical darling, not that they were bad. Okay, that's far from the truth, but they weren't like, oh my goodness, this guy should be one of the best relievers in the American League, good. And the fact that they still, like this model has him at 77 innings pitched, putting up one war out of the bullpen, beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Uh, Big fan of Ty Madden as well. Uh, Ty Madden, I I don't dislike Ty Madden. He's got a lot of work to do with the consistency of his fastball. Um, I I think that there's a lot to, to still grow. In terms of like him developing a major league fastball, but uh, the fact again, like just there, there's so many people around this one war range, this 0.8 to 1.2 war range, um, that that I think that that you have to be somewhat encouraged by that, uh, and that and that's that's nice to see. Uh, not a big fan of Alex Lang, uh, has him at 0.4 F4, also has Jason Foley at 0.3. F4. So not a huge fan of either of those guys, but also bullpen and reliever war is just kind of like weird in general. So yeah, like there's some, there's some stuff to be encouraged by there. I think Uh, when talking about some of the prospects, we talked about Sawyer or um, Justin Henry Malloy a little bit already, so we can kind of move on from him, but uh, Colt Keith being a guy that the model projects to, I, I mean, it's actually kind of fascinating. His 80th percentile war is 3.3 his 20th is 0.2 uh they have his floor being about an 87 ops plus and his ceiling being a 129 ops plus uh and again we already talked about i guess earlier the uh him being an above league average hitter jace young being slightly below uh one name we have not talked about is matt Beerling. and we'll talk about just third base as a whole And kind of like how, you know, with the Jace Young conversation, obviously a lot of people are under the assumption that they're going to kind of platoon it until Young is ready. And that's going to be how third base is going to look this year. I don't disagree with that necessarily, but the model is really not a big fan of Matt Beerling and really the third base position for the Detroit Tigers in general. Okay, so let's – I'm going to see if I can do a a screen share here. I'm not very tech savvy, but I think that I can pull this off. Wow. Bang. I I should be working for Radio Shack. Okay, so – Let's look at this. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see it. If not, uh, I'll read uh, it out loud as well. So this is like the graphic that comes with it. I like the old English D here for designated hitter. Um, So we have a projected depth chart with the amount of F war that they project to get from each position. Okay. Now it's important to remember the flaws with this model. If this was just the end all be all, they wouldn't play the games. And like, obviously this doesn't mean like a whole lot. You have to take this with a massive grain of salt, but uh, one of the the reasons why is because like for left field here it says 1.9 f4 the tigers will get out of left field but it only has Mark Hanna and Akil Badu recording games played in left field that's obviously not true the tigers going to have 57 million different people play left field for them okay so that we're starting to already see kind of the chips and the chinks in the armor with you know how much we sh- we have to to take how much weight we should put into these um, so for the outfield here. Left field, I just said 1.9 F4, Mark Kana and Akil Badu. Center field is probably the closest to accurate. 1.5 F4, you'd like that to be a little higher. I think you'd like Parker Meadows to hit a little bit better. But they only have uh, Parker and Riley Green recording time in center field. I don't think that's too far off. I think the only thing would be uh, if they really need it, Matt Vierling might get some reps in center field. But that's probably not too far off there. Then Riley Green and Kerry Carpenter being the two right fielders and uh, accumulating 3.1 f4. Now the interesting thing here is is the uh, the twentieth and eightieth are, are a little bit different, but the baseline just like stats, it actually likes Akil Badu more than Kerry Carpenter. Now we've already seen this movie before. We know the deal that this was a conversation last year. Obviously, Kerry Carpenter had a fantastic season, uh, but Akil Badu can still do so much. On the baseball field outside of the batter's box that his value really shines through uh in those even if carrie carpenter the model still has him being a 20 home run hitter and being an above league average hitter so um there's your outfield there's your outfield and then in the infield torkelson the only person recording a first base game this season for the tigers 2.1 f4 out of first base Second base, four different names, Colt Keith, Andy Abania, Zach McKinstry, and Jace Young adding up to 1.6 F4. Javi Baez getting most of the work with Zach McKinstry and Nick Maton somehow getting reps in shortstop. Nick Maton, there's no chance he's playing a game at shortstop for the Tigers this year. 1.3 F4. Third base, Matt Beerling, Zach McKinstry, and Tyler Nevin, 0.6 F4. Uh, Jake Rogers and uh, Carson Kelly, 1.9 F4 combined behind home plate. Kerry Carpenter, Colt Keith, and Mark Canna accumulating 1.5 at DH. The starters we already kind of talked about, um, and uh, and yeah, 3.4 for Scooble, 1.9 Olsen, 1.6 Maeda, 1.4 Manning, 1.2 Mize, and also 1.3 as a sixth starter for Sawyer Gibson Long, the bullpen, they don't do each individual for the depth chart, but they do an overall 3.9 war for the bullpen as a whole. That would be a really successful season. We just did a whole bullpen breakdown yesterday. You can go, if you want a more in-depth conversation about the Tigers bullpen, in my opinion of it, that's yesterday's show. But 3.9 is not bad. Uh, the, the league leader usually has about seven, somewhere between seven, seven and a half. If you have a really crazy year, you can get up to eight. Um, so, on uh, a war of about four out of your bullpen, I think would be a pretty successful year for the tigers. I I'm pretty, I don't know who, who will Veston is, but uh, I'm, I'm pretty, uh, I'm pretty pleased with that number. So that leads us to what are the needs, right? Obviously if we could improve at shortstop, we would, but that's not going to happen. Okay. Second base. I think that I like this, this idea. I want Colt Keith there. I'm okay with other people getting reps there. If he's struggling or needs days off or whatever. The blatant hole is third base. The only position that's projected to get less than 1.3 F4, starting pitching included, bullpen included, everything included. The only 1.3 is third base, and it's 0.6. It's not even close. So Zips really hates what the Tigers have going for them at third base. Now, it is important to note that they still have Jace Young listed as a second baseman and him getting zero reps at third base. Uh, but the model wasn't super in love with Jace Young, kind of more of like a stereotypical rookie coming in, being a below-league average hitter, not a liability, though, giving you some plus defense potentially. So we'll see. I, I still have questions about whether he's going to be a plus defender at third base. I still have questions about whether he's he would be an above-league average or even a league average hitter off-rip. As a rookie, I think there's still some holes in his swing. We can talk about that as the offseason goes along. But this is very clearly the biggest hole on the team. The other thing that I'm realizing is that there is no room for any other outfielders to really jump in here. If you had the opportunity to get like one of the best outfielders in baseball, you would obviously jump at it, right? Uh, I'm not saying there's not room for improvement. This is not like the best outfield in baseball or even close. Uh, But as far as like people you'd be willing to get rid of and not play this year and just like strictly, you know, like replace uh, or or add and kick somebody else to the curb, I guess is probably the better way to describe it. I don't think there's room for any other outfielders. Starting pitching, we already talked about the depth there. I really like what I see there. And then I'm pretty pleased with how they have the bullpen list. They have Wilmer Flores listed as a reliever as well, rather than a starter. So kind of an interesting tidbit there. So there you go. That is the Zips projection. Now, I'm going to say it for the 50th time. Uh, Dan himself, the guy who writes the articles every year, uh, is is very uh, uh, open and, and admitting about the flaws with it, about how you should not take this at complete like 100% face value, that this isn't something to get like worked up over or anything like that. It's strictly just a baseline and a conversation starter. And I always enjoy talking ball. So I always enjoy conversation starters when it comes to the game of baseball. So that is the Zips projections for the 2024 Detroit Tigers. Please, again, go check out Dan Zimborski's article. It's on Fangraphs.com. Uh, it's on his Twitter. I'll retweet it so you can find it easily that way. Uh, please go support his work. He is a fantastic baseball mind. Uh, and this is always he, he'll do end up doing all 30 teams as well so you can kind of go through and look at other teams projections but literally everyone i mean they have like a like what would happen if justice bigby was in the majors right they have a projection for him 9 home runs 106 like 106 hits right like they they have literally everybody ben mel jerry uh daniel cabrera not even sure he's going to be in the organization next year right like they they have everyone and a projection for them and his write up as well is always fantastic so Be sure to check that out next week. Winter meetings. Okay. Are you ready? I just hit my mic. Sorry if that was loud in your ears. I apologize. I'm just very excited for winter meetings. It's my favorite week of the year. Okay. Uh, We are going to be talking winter meetings coverage all week. We're going to have all the news and rumors coming out of Tigers camp Several beat writers will be down there. I know Evan Petzold will be down there. Uh, so we'll get a lot of updates from him. He'll be talking to people constantly. We get the inside scoop. Uh, I, I'm so pumped. I'm so, but we already got like rumors that Randy or Rosa Rain is apparently on the trade block. I will believe it when I see it, by the way, that dude still has three plus years of team control. I don't buy it for a second, but that is the beautiful thing about winter meetings is that the rumors just are absolutely twirling. No end, and uh, I guess swirling, not twirling. But uh, it, it's it's one of the most fun weeks of the year. And we will have all the coverage here. Thanks for making Locked On Tigers your first listen every single day. Shout out to the everydayers that do tune in every day. We will be back on Monday with our kicking off one of the most fun weeks of the year. Peace and love. Going to therapy is dope. Oh, Rule 5 draft also happens at the end of winter meetings, by the way. Okay? So remember that. Rule 5 draft next week. We'll have the coverage for that as well. Peace and love. Going to therapy is dope. I'll catch you on Monday, baby. Go, Tigers.